George. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? I am very well. We've both been talking just before we start recording. We're both a bit sleepy this morning. So actually this massive mug of tea is very welcome. Absolutely, yeah. And I've got my I've I've gone back to my freedom, harmony, discipline, sweetness and wisdom, happiness oh. mug. So I can, you know, if I'm feeling a little bit sleepy, I can just kind of have a little look at one of these motivational things and I will see. Ah oh, yes, keep looking upwards. Here we are. Indeed. Get some inspiration. Mm. I'm just going to pause because the cat immediately wanted to go out. Okay. <laughs> Come on, you big idiots. I told you. Go. Go. So, George, let's begin with Monday's episode. No, no, can we not? Because mm. what we haven't done yet, because we, <laughs> listeners, you won't have heard, but we had to do a little bit of a cat letting out thing there. And what Charlie's <laughs> forgotten is she hasn't done her intro which oh, is like yes. and that's like one of my favorite bits so you've got to do your intro because you know it you would know, be a I shame even... to leave it for the last one <laughs> I don't even write it down now so let's see if I can get it right for once <clears throat> okay welcome lovely listeners to Archers and Tea this is the podcast where George and I discuss the latest episodes of the Archers we are massive fans of the Archers and have been for a while. And we used to meet up and have a cup of tea and a biscuit and dissect the whole thing. But seeing as we've not been able to recently, we've been doing it virtually and recording our conversations and letting you guys tune in. So this is your excuse to grab a cup of tea and a biscuit and relax for about an hour. Oh, it was it was lovely. Uh, oh, fantastic. Well done. I might kind of have you. you record that and I'll have it as like a, I don't know, a kind of a relaxing... Uh, <laughs> evening <laughs> evening track to listen to it could be your alarm in the mornings yeah I don't know whether it would wake me up yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe it would maybe it would yeah a bit too relaxing for that grab a cup of tea and welcome to the day <laughs> yeah welcome to the day let's start and have a lovely day <laughs> yeah maybe that would work yeah let's go for that let's go for that anyway you're right let's start off with Monday's episode um which was an interesting one wasn't it I I was so confused. I was like, this sounds to me like a Friday episode, particularly like not not like a Friday episode in the normal programming where Friday used to be the sort of cliffhanger episode. It reminded me of a of a recent, oh not a Friday, a Thursday episode yes. where it rounds off the week because it was all lovely and they're preparing for a surprise and then it's going to lead to a sort of nice, warm, fuzzy ending. Um and I kept thinking, this doesn't sound like a, the beginning of a, a week episode at all. Yeah, I was absolutely with you. Like, we're obviously so in tune now. Um, but I thought exactly the same thing because it just, I was just like waiting for the the conflict to happen. You know how mm. normally at the start of the week there's something, I don't know, there's been, you know, a falling out between um, between a pair of family, you know, Adam and Brian or something like that. Mm. Um, but it just wasn't that. It was just really lovely. It was really nice. It was just kind of Harrison being lovely. And um, mm. I was thinking, where's this conflict? And, and yeah, it took a, t- took a while before it kicked in. But it was quite enjoyable. It certainly was. He's um, he's doing a very sweet thing and sorting out the house. Uh, Woodbine Cottage, isn't it? Uh, to He's making it into an all-inclusive Spanish holiday at mm. home. So he's going to dress up as airport security um, and he's setting up a paddling pool, which I thought sounded, all of it sounded delightful. I, I must admit, I did wonder whether, well, I don't know, Harrison answering the door in a pilot's cap 
with your wonder whether mm. they'd make it as far as the pool, to be frank. Mm. Mm. Um, I also wondered the same thing. <laughs> but, then, but then he did, uh, I was thinking that, and then in the next scene he said, and now to put on my Hawaiian shirt. And I thought, ah, oh, right, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll cool things down a little bit. Um, <laughs> but also, he does give us a bit of info, so... He's been getting fan messages because the other week we had that brilliant set of episodes where he was he was gearing up to be on the radio and it was all going to be really stressful for him. And then he went on and actually was quite open and vulnerable about how he'd been bullied as a child and why he'd become a policeman. And that had all gone beautifully and it was quite moving. Um, and now he's getting fan messages uh, from people still, but also contacting him about crime. And one of the things he has been informed about is there's been a tip-off to the local environment agency about the fly tipper, namely Tim Oti. Yeah, we know that it was Ed that's done the tip-off. So, mm. yeah, he's got to keep an eye on that, isn't he? Mm. And did you hear he mentions, he mentions Tim Oti, like he knows of Tim Oti, and he's like, oh, yes, this guy's seen the inside of Borsuch and Nick a few times. I thought, yeah. oh, yeah, he's a wrong and we can recognise, you know, we've recognised it's a nasty piece of work, but he is, yes, on paper, he's a nasty piece of work as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was interested to know where that, you know, where that's going to go this week. Mm. Fallon, meanwhile, is uh, is busy at the tea rooms. She's, they're getting lots of, lots of, uh, lots of orders coming through. And um, I guess a, gets a phone call, or, or no, gets a text, is it, from Harrison saying, Actually, can you just kind of delay coming home for half an hour? And that's obviously mm. while 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 he's uh, finishing off setting up their little all inclusive Spanish getaway. Um, mm. And she's she's sort of a little bit like, oh well, you know, I'm sort of done. I'm ready to go home. But <laughs> I think after the because she was a little bit off about the radio interview. I don't think she was very keen on him doing it. Mm. Um, I think she feels a little bit guilt about that after after the event. Um, mm. realises that he'd never spoke to her about the bullying and things like that. So mm. um, it's interesting, isn't it? I don't know. Because it's not, you know, talking about being bullied at school is, is not naturally one of the first things you talk about on a, on a first date. Um, then it becomes, you know, where, at what point would you bring that up? So he's obviously just never mentioned it. Yeah, and I suppose as well, seeing as he feels, he seemed to be, you know, from the outside anyway, quite well at peace with it. Mm. You know, it wasn't something that necessarily bugged him anymore personally, other than it was a bit of a moral driving force for his actions. But it wasn't something that maybe kept traumatising him as an adult. So, yeah, I suppose it just hasn't come up. Mm, um, yeah. There was something sweet that I thought that Fallon mentioned where she still gets the sinking feeling. You know, he only has to be five minutes late mm. and she worries he's not coming home at all, which I just thought was really... Oh, I don't know, really sweet, because you think it's going to go away. And it actually reminded me of, um, so my, I've mentioned before, my dad was in the Navy and he used to be at sea for quite a long period of time, um, at a time. And um, you often couldn't get information from him because he was on submarines and stuff. And sometimes maybe he was meant to be secretly somewhere. <laughs> um, and so he couldn't necessarily contact our family. Yeah. And there was always just that that little fear that you know he might not actually come home this time every single time and it is quite stressful yeah yeah wow i mean yeah i don't completely get that that must be really stressful i mean i think it's quite funny kind of in contrast harrison who kind of views his job as 
a bit dull and you know mainly just talking to people about hedges um mm. and the fact that Fallon is really worried about it you know I, yeah it, it's quite kind of sweet that it's so sweet that she is worried about him it is and they're so loved up I mean when he texts mm. her and with emojis or something and it really yeah. makes her laugh and smile and she's like constantly talking about how handsome he is I think it's really lovely yeah absolutely but she sort of comes up with a plan to to, to, to waste not waste but use half an hour in coming home mm-hmm. um she, it, it, she includes dropping in that uh, the peacock uh, name competition has been won by prospero <sighs> strong i think that's excellent isn't it prospero the peacock very good so i'm sure most of our listeners know this already but prospero is a shakespearean name do you know do you remember what play it's from george it is from the Tempest. Yes, <laughs> I believe he's the big bad. Well, not bad, but he's a big old wizard. Um, mm. well, he does <laughs> who, cause the Tempest, I think. So yeah, causes the Tempest, but then he also fixes things in the end. Yeah. I saw a brilliant production of the Tempest uh, where Harriet Walter, or Walter's play, no Walter mm. played um, Prospero. It was brilliant. Oh, wow! Don't normally love that play, but I enjoyed it. The one I mm. saw. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. I don't it's know I have. a yeah, bit I think so. weird, but it, it's got some good moments, and uh, particularly this version I saw mm. it was incredible. Yeah, I shall have to try and try and take it off my list at some point. I'm sure. And I suppose also Prospero, come you know, the word prosperous is sort of indicated there as well. So it's a it's an aspirational name mm. for the pub. <laughs> yes, and the peacock, you know. Yeah. But yes, but she gets home and she absolutely loves Harrison's surprise. It's great. Mm. It's really nice, wasn't it? It was like you say, it just had that kind of final episode of the week. Really lovely. He's been working on something. Because I was thinking, oh no, something's going to happen. He's not going to be able to do the plan. But mm. she just arrived home and it was fantastic. It was really nice. It was, wasn't it? And then that's it. It was so idyllic that I just couldn't fathom where it was going. Mm. Um, and we sort of with Fallon, and she worries a little bit about the tea room. I wondered maybe she, if she wasn't fully sharing all the information with Harrison, but it sounds like she is, you know. She's just thankful for the orders and the deliveries and the rent reduction from Bridge Farm. But, you know, it's still a challenging time for the tea room. And then they get a phone call. Yeah, yeah. So you hear the home phone go, don't you? The landline, mm. which she ignores. And then her mobile goes. And it is Marcus, Harrison's mm. brother. Mm. And uh, and he's dropping off dropping off Harrison's two year old niece, Daisy. So now they've got Daisy to look after, and that's slightly gotten in the way of certain aspects of Harrison's plans. <laughs> I feel, fortunately, yes, like watching Reservoir Dogs. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's quite <laughs> fun. yeah, it's quite sweet, isn't it? You know what they are going to have to watch Rapunzel instead of watching uh, of watching Reservoir Dogs. I didn't well, I didn't know whether Rapunzel. Because Tangled is the Disney film that's Rapunzel, isn't it? I didn't know whether, you know, they couldn't say Tangled because... Oh, yeah, I maybe. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Presumably she have just said Frozen, you know, because <laughs> Frozen's yeah. the classic uh, one for two-year-olds. Um, that is. It sounds like Fallon's enjoying it as well. Yeah, yeah. I was sort of left thinking... I was, I was left wondering... Well, first I was wondering how old Harrison and Fallon are and mm. what their position on kids is and has been i didn't know whether this is like a oh you know the writers are going to give them a little taste of having a child and they're going to really love it and they're going to be like oh actually we we need kids um i just didn't i didn't really i, I couldn't work out whether how old are they 
Have they decided not to have kids? Have they never really spoken about it? I just couldn't really remember. Mm. I didn't know whether you knew. <laughs> well, I remember, <laughs> I remember that Fallon wasn't keen on getting married. That is true, yes. And they, for ages, were just like not going to get married and they were fine with that. And then mm. Fallon, you know, agreed. And actually, she's really pleased that she's married Far- Harrison. So um, potentially it's a similar thing. You know, she's not that fussed about kids. But you're right. I mm. wondered whether this would be something that gives them the taste for it or actually sort of delays it for longer because mm. <laughs> they realise how difficult it is. Yes. And they think, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. maybe we should have a few more years just to do this. <laughs> Could go either way. Yeah. <laughs> that was Monday's episode. And it was quite a nice one, wasn't it? Just sort of like, you know, quite enjoyable. Mm. So on to Tuesday. Mm. We start with Tony in the attic. He finds an old moth-eaten blanket, which sounds delightful. He was sort of moaning about that, wasn't he? About having to sort through the attic. He's like, don't they know that, doesn't Pat know that attics are meant to be messy? And I just <laughs> thought, ah, oh, he's going to enjoy this. He's going to enjoy <laughs> it, really. Um, and he ended up enjoying it because he found... An old toy train. The Flying Scotsman. Mm. I, even I know what that is. <laughs> yes. Did you ever have a toy train set when you were growing up? No, I wasn't the toy train set kind of girl. I mm. uh, I liked all sorts of toys, but never really trains and cars and that mm. kind of thing. I don't know whether that's a sort of been placed upon me as a sort of gender stereotyping or whether it was actually just natural. I enjoyed making stuff up all the time, funnily enough. <laughs> making up stories oh I can imagine you usually put on plays for your family you, you just sort of like you kind of put on costumes and do a play at Christmas or anything no I never did that and I know loads of actors you know mm. that's how they knew they wanted to be an actor no mine was getting quite immersed in imaginary games with my friends that would go on right. for absolutely hours and be quite epic wow that's so yeah. cool that's, yeah I do remember looking back on those sorts of games they are they were epic, weren't they? Mm, mm. And we always made, I had these two friends who were sisters. One was a year older than me and one was a year younger than me. And uh, we always made the one, the younger one be the baddie. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to send her to the corner of the garden and be like, you're the baddie, you have to go over there. <laughs> Just like right. they do in sort of Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. It's, it was so sort of, Cliched. <laughs> I'm afraid that's just part of being the youngest. I think I think it the youngest is. just has to put up with that. <laughs> <laughs> we I don't think we had a toy. We did have a toy train set. We didn't really. I think I had more actually, um, like a wooden one, not like a not one that actually ran, but just kind of like mm. a wooden, wooden track that you could set up and you could kind of push the train around yourself, which I did quite enjoy. You know, have oh, a little yeah. bridge and stuff. Well, I was thinking, a child with your mathematical brain, you must have loved that kind of thing. Mm. Oh yeah, well I, well, I used, we used to have um, connects. Did you ever play with connects? It's kind of like Lego, but it's you know you, there's different bits and there's kind of sticks and joining bits. Oh yeah, and that rings a bell. I, yeah, we I I used to put those very kind of angular. You'd have like different angles in the mm. joining bit, and you'd kind of have to put put them all together to make stuff. I used to play with that loads. We used to make. Did you ever? <laughs> we used to make robots out of them. Alan. Oh, she did. Um, robot wars because I used oh, to yeah. love watching robot wars but then I'd make robots out of out of connects and then also out of like old recycling so just kind of you know cardboard boxes and stuff that, and cereal boxes that we'd use we'd kind of cut them up and <laughs> and, and put them together into uh, into making robots um, ingenious 
slightly violent robots, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, they'd have kind of like an axe and, and, and stuff. Um, yeah. So quite boyish in that way. But yes, no, definitely oh, kind yeah. of like real kind of like, you know, mathematical angles and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, that's what they're chatting, you know, Tony's telling us about, isn't it? You know, that this train was John's and mm. and how you know he he loves this train Tony doesn't he? he's like you can find a lot of solace in the little things that you can control amidst mm. all this chaos and you can make it all run on time and you can make it all work and I thought yeah that makes sense the kind of guy who loves to work on his car and on his tractor you must get a lot yeah. from that yeah absolutely and he's just, and he sort of thinks you know what what who can we you know he wants to give it to somebody so he wants to give it to Johnny because you know, because Johnny is John's son and, uh, yeah. you know, you know, they can work on it together and won't that be fantastic? And he's and he's slightly nervous about Henry getting hold of it because mm. Henry will, you know, I think Henry has broken a couple of toys in the past and uh, and um, he doesn't want this one to get broken because obviously it's got so much sentimental value. Yeah, it clearly does. Yeah, and you worry about Henry. I mean, uh, he's obviously a lovely little child, but I, I gather that he's quite rambunctious. Yes, I think so, um, and I think that's I think that's just kind of part of the natural his age. I don't think it's mm. too much to do with the stuff that he's gone through. No, in his, in his short life. Um, I think it is. You know, hope it is just uh, yes, <laughs> the age to do that. But uh, but Johnny, I, I I did. I was like, oh, I'm not sure whether Johnny's going to be on board with this. He's just a little bit older, isn't he? And mm. we hear from him, and he's kind of he's off to deliver some veg to Joy. Um, mm-hmm wants to kind of get a get away maybe um because he's got a bit of money set back because he was saving some money for a hair transplant to go through the surgery bless him and and now he's you know he shaved his head um which he kind of did in solidarity in inverted commas um with with tony oh, um yeah. and actually it's worked, worked out really well for him and people really like his new shaved head so actually it's kind of yes it's it, it's it's worked out nicely um, it has, and he's now it? got this extra money saved set aside. Exactly. So that's like ideal. He's not going to have a transplant and it's that's nice for him. You know, he's feeling more confident within himself and now he's got this extra cash, but it's not quite mm. enough to buy what he really wants, which is a new car. Yes. Um, although not an orange one like that. <laughs> the Tango Mobile, does he go? Because <laughs> he's cool. <laughs> yeah. But as Johnny mentions Joy, then we move over to Joy, who is practicing her Spanish. And um, I. I really enjoyed Joy Horville this week. It's the first time we've heard from her, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I thought, it's funny how in the normal scheme of um, episodes, she's quite irritating. Because what we get is sort of the outside that we would normally get that other people, um, you know, experience when they see her. But going inside and her little babbling brook of consciousness, um, you do sort of get a sweeter, slightly calmer side to her. And she's quite clearly lonely. I must admit, I found it quite a difficult listen. I found it really mm. sad, um, which sort of took me a surprise. By surprise, you know, because it wasn't like, you know, an end of a week episode or, you know, a kind of end of an episode where it gets a little bit emotional. It was just hearing her everyday thoughts. And it's and she's just constantly thinking about where am I next going to get my, where am I going to get my next piece of human contact from? You know, I think she'd love it to be her daughter a bit more, but her daughter's, mm. you know, not very good at reaching out. You know, and she's thinking, you know, oh, I didn't really need the veg box, but actually, 
I've ordered the veggie box because then that means somebody's going to have to deliver it and they will have to come round. And I, I found it, I found it actually really sad. Um, yeah. But, but it, but it was the the delivery of it was brilliant because it wasn't delivered in a sad way and it wasn't yeah. on like oh woe is me, and that's not. This is just her life, and 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 so yeah. her inner thoughts would just follow that pattern. Um, mm. Yes, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. I remember a teacher at drama school telling me the the saddest thing to watch is not somebody crying, but somebody trying not to cry. Mm. Yes. A- yes, and that's much more difficult. And I found that that's what this was. I wasn't listening to her exactly like delve into her sadness. I was listening to her try and keep chipper. And that's what was more painful in a way, because yeah. um, yeah. she's clearly still reeling from the Christmas mm. debacle and fly tipping, but she's remaining positive and she's having Spanish lessons and she's got this lovely Spanish teacher, Eduardo. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Mm. So it's just great. It's, it's, yeah. She's, you know, she's finding herself a little um, project, you know, teaching herself Spanish, which I think is really good. Mm. So yeah, bless her. It was quite, it was quite sweet, um, but lovely to hear from that. Great, great to hear mm, her voice. It was. And then we get back to Tony, who is having trouble trying to make this train work. And Pat clearly wishes it was back in the box. And Tony wonders whether actually that's because of the mess or whether it's because it was John's. And I mm. was really pleased, actually, that there was this sort of storyline because I've always been really intrigued by the John, uh, by John's death and by John's life. Mm. And also how... I'm really interested in talking about grief that isn't immediate. Obviously, that is a big thing to talk about. But the fact that actually 20 years on or 10 years on or 50 years on, grief is still there. You still have lost that person and you miss that person and how it how then grief changes and adapts and can sort of hit you and come from nowhere when you find something like a train set. I am. I, did you did you give me this analogy? I can't remember, but I, I remember seeing an analogy or, or reading it or hearing it from somebody um, that grief is like a, a kind of a room and there's a kind of a grief button in the room and there's a giant ball that's bouncing around the room. And at the start, the ball will always hit the grief button, you know, constantly because it's so big. And over time, the ball will shrink, but it will mm. occasionally hit that grief button. And it will have the same effect almost. And, you know, you feel the same way, but it just will happen more rarely. And it will happen, um, but, 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 but to the, you know, but to the same extent, and it can take you by surprise when it does happen. This is, this is from, this is, um, you know, I've, I'm fortunate enough that I've never been through um, kind of serious grief. Um, so I don't, I don't really know, but it was an analogy I'd seen. I couldn't remember whether it was you that told me it or, or, um, or a similar one. I can't remember. It wasn't me. That's, so, that's brilliant. I've never heard that one before, but mm. that makes total sense. I feel that's quite accurate. Mm. It, it, you know, it, definitely the frequency of those things catching you off guard uh, reduces, but when they come, they can still sometimes be just as powerful mm. as they were two weeks after the event. And I think it's also important to remember that because I think a lot of... I know through my own experience and through talking to other people that there is an expectation either that you put on yourself when you're experiencing grief or that other people are putting up on you that after a certain amount of time, you're just like, you're going to be okay now. And that can be quite frustrating because 
it's not really true (laughs) because you never go back to the person you were before that person died you just that's that's done now you're it's like we're talking about trains you've literally moved over to a different set of tracks right and that's fine it doesn't mean that the the tracks are bad tracks or that the journey is is a going to be a horrible journey forever but you are just on a whole new train Mm. track now and so you can't go back and also occasionally it will hit you just as hard and it's i think it's really nice that they're talking about that um in in the archers and also, I mean, I have no understanding of this, but what it must be like to lose a child. Mm. Because it's when um, Tony, he's getting out the photo album to try and prove the age that John was when he had the Flying Scotsman, because Pat says Henry's old enough and Tony doesn't think that he is. So he goes through his photo album to find out and he finds the picture of John when he had the first train set, which is not the Flying Scotsman, which is the one that John broke and then he got the Flying Scotsman. But then there's just this moment that really hit me in my gut where he just went, oh, he'd be 44 now. Mm. 44. It's amazing. And and there's no sort of, there's no kind of internal maths where he's thinking, oh, so he was born then and and the year now is, he just knows. He knows exactly how old he would be immediately. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a really lovely moment, actually. Hmm. Um, so he sort of comes to the conclusion that the photo, the train set that John had in that photo is found when he was the same age as Henry is a different train set. Mm. And that's what Pat thinks it was. But actually that one John did break. And therefore Tony comes to the conclusion, actually, this doesn't, um, you know, it's not it's not the right time to give this train set to Henry because you know, mm. he probably will break it. Oh, and actually he remembers that he told John at the time, well, you know, when he got the Flying Scotsman, oh, you have to play, you can't play with this alone, you'll have to play it when I'm in the room, which really, I was like, yeah, classic sort of 80s dad, right? But um, but actually it worked out really nicely for them because they ended up always playing together with the yes. toy train set. And that, I thought, oh, what lovely memories for Tony. Yeah, let's make those memories of this train set even stronger. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And jo- we saw it here a little bit, little bit again from Joy. She's kind of, Yes, worried what people are thinking about her because she's because she unfortunately because she's been conned by the flying tipper, and because mm. um, uh, they, uh, who went over and shouted at her? David Archer did. <laughs> David Archer, yeah, um, David went over and shouted at her. Um, she's you know worried about what what people um, think of her, but she mm. does drop in that mm. she would recognise the guy that conned her in a moment. Now we're pretty sure that this was Tim Oti. Yeah. And I thought, ah, right, okay, Detective Joy is on the case. I was excited by that, but then I was like, no, they're not gonna <laughs> fuck, keep going with the storyline. And then I got hit with it at the end of the week, which I was so, yeah. so excited about. But yeah, yeah. that's it. You see, Joy is canny, as she would mm. say. Yeah, yeah, nice. canny. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and in fact, she's described Johnny as a canny lad, and he's try- trying his luck with scratch cards. He doesn't get any. Um, and I wondered whether this was like a BBC thing where you can't you can't say that sort of gambling pays. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I wondered if they can't say that like, oh, yeah, get a scratch card and you'll win because they can't see, seem to be promoting gambling. I must admit, I was I, I let myself get cut. So, you know, I don't know. I think we listen to these episodes in a slightly more. In, in quite a strong analytical way, because because mm. we talk about the end of the week, we kind of look for things, don't we? 
mm. I don't know I found that um and I was thinking I was like, oh okay because of course Johnny because Johnny had that period where he was spending so much time in the gym as well mm. I thought, oh god right he's got a bit of an addictive personality mm. or you know this gambling thing maybe that's a bit and I thought actually maybe it's a good thing that he didn't win because it's the sort of thing mm. isn't it where you know you win one and you think oh oh great well I'll use that money to buy some more and then and it could be, but actually, I thought, well, he hasn't won any. That's probably a good thing for him. Indeed, yeah. Um, but yes, whether it's a BBC thing, you're right. You know, <laughs> I don't a know. Crash card and suddenly wins ten thousand pounds. And... <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bit irresponsible of the all of the, the archers listeners go out and buy some scratch cards. <laughs> but um, he um, he also mentions how he's not really into the trains, and he does understand what it means to Tony, but he he just wants a car. Mm. that's what he wants he's a young lad and that's what he needs and I did laugh because then we go over to Tony who's saying oh you know what I was thinking about yeah because because Johnny also says you know oh I really needed some cash to kind of you know some money to save up for my car and we go over to Tony who says oh I was thinking about giving him cash as birthday, <laughs> but actually maybe I'll give him the train set instead <laughs> and I must I did have a bit of a laugh <laughs> laughing out loud in the kitchen at that um, I know. it was absolutely perfect wasn't it Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to Wednesday's episode and we return to Fallon and Harrison, basically. Well, we at least return to Fallon, who is exhausted from looking after Daisy. She's actually gone to Pip, um, who has helped out by bringing Rosie and now Daisy and Rosie are playing together. Um, and she's just finding it so hard. You know, Daisy isn't even sleeping very well. Uh, she also thought Harrison would be a natural, but he's jumped at the chance to go back to work. So yeah. she's just run ragged, isn't she? And uh, and then both kids start eating the corn that's meant for the ducks. She's like, oh gosh. Good, good pub- public service announcement there, isn't it? There wasn't bread because bread's not meant bread. to be very good, is it? So uh, yeah, oh, that's no, right. Nice, a bit from the arches there. A proper proper feed for the ducks. Yeah. But also, it was quite nice because I think something that has been prevalent when people have been talking about the challenges that people face during lockdown um, is young parents of young children who are suddenly having to look after them 24 seven and work from home, you know, and they can't take them to nursery or school. And so I suppose because you can't maybe have a lot of child actors on the arches, I don't know. Um, it hasn't, that's maybe been something they haven't quite mined as a, as a storyline. And here we've got an example of it, which is actually sort of very reflective of what it must be like in the real world for lots of people at the moment where you're just constantly like how do I tire out this child during the day so that it sleeps <laughs> it's quite a picturesque image isn't it of them on the green and we hear from Joy as well and she's sort of sitting there and she actually reflects you know it's not nicer here than it, than it is around around her house and mm. um, you just sit there watching the busyness of the thing and and again kind of that sadness of her loneliness um and she wants to immerse herself in in the busy life of the green because uh, she gets a wave yes she gets a wave um from pip and she thinks oh you know i think pip and i got quite well after our night out in felpersham well, yeah. <laughs> i enjoyed you know that's a nice throwback but pip doesn't come over to chat which probably is because joy will chat for a while um yeah. she's a bit worried that it might be because of the fly tipping again mm. but yeah she's it's, it's, yes it's a, a reflective moment for joy it is i mean she does also mention eduardo again now it doesn't look like they go into this at this point but i saw on twitter 
somebody said, oh, I wonder if Joy is going to be a victim of romance fraud, which I looked up because I was just like, what the hell is romance fraud? And I got um, on actionfraud.police.uk, which I'll put a link on the uh, on the SoundCloud page and the Spotify page. It's about when, you know, you think you've met somebody online through a dating website or, you know, maybe who's decided to teach you Spanish. And then they use a sort of fake persona to form a relationship with you. And then eventually they might try and gain your trust enough to ask you for money or enough personal information to try and steal your identity. And apparently that's quite common with the older and more isolated community. Wow, that I mean, massive prediction siren. I think that I don't know, that would that that would totally fit, wouldn't it? It would work with how they're gently setting it up in terms of her loneliness mm. and sexy Eduardo. Sexy Eduardo. And also she was um, she was conned already. You know, we know that it's possible by Tim mm. Oti, although she does mention, she sort of explains actually that he was so pushy mm. and he wouldn't take no for an answer that she actually only agreed to it to get rid of him, um, which again is another tactic, just constantly hounding these vulnerable, isolated people until they're yeah. just desperate to get rid of you. I think it's just dreadful mm. when he sort of took advantage of her. Um and yeah, she's just pretty lonely. She's wishing mm. she could have a FaceTime with her grandkids. And yeah, she does feel a little vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, wow. Interesting. I'll be interesting to see how that how that develops. It probably won't, will it? It was probably a bit... Well, no, but... So but we if... look for these things, don't Yeah, we? I know. Yeah, like we said. But uh, but I think that would be a... I think that I think it could be an important story. It could be. Mm. Mm. Um, but meanwhile, Johnny is sort of unsure about... What to do about train sex? He's really not interested, and he doesn't really know how to tell J- Tony about it. Um, and he sort of he, he kind of he recognised the fact that Tony feels close to John through the train set, but it also he he's never you know that doesn't connect to his father at all. And actually, it's being on the farm that is his connection to his father. Um, and and yes, this train set is you know he's never seen it before. It's not like I don't know, not like they've already t- always talked about oh, John's train set or anything. Mm. So it just doesn't mean much to him in the same way. No. It's interesting. I um, It's funny how it's just different. You know, everybody's thing is different about how they connect to the person who's not here anymore. And I, I actually think, well, this is just very, very personal experience, but I think it can be a little bit um, dangerous to apply that connection to a physical object. Mm. See, because Johnny's got it in the farm, it's always there. And as long as he's, you know, working on a farm or doing sort of things, he can feel that connection. But an object which can be broken, which is obviously something that Tony's worried about with Henry, it, it makes that thing a little vulnerable. I um, I wasn't going to say this, but I will say it today. Uh, I have a ring that belonged to my mum, which I got when she died. And I used to, and I do still have a lot of, I mean, I love this ring. I wear it every day and it has a lot of sentimental value for me. And a couple of years ago, I thought I'd lost it. And I was really, really distraught. And actually, my reaction was probably a bit extreme if you consider it was just an object. Mm. But I was really, really upset. And I really felt like, oh, you know, I don't even deserve to miss her if I can't look after this thing. And then, yeah, it was really, really, it was really affected me. And then a couple of years later, I went on a holiday on my own and I was wearing the ring. And 
I was on the top of a of a big hill, like a big mountain in Barcelona. It's all very romantic. And I was thinking about my mum because we'd been on a holiday there many years before when obviously when she was alive, clearly. And uh, I looked down at the ring and thought, well, I've always got this ring. And then I remembered, but what if I lost the ring? You know, mm. have I lost the connection? And as I was looking at the ring, I remembered that I inherited my mum's hands. Oh. So <laughs> I look like my dad a lot, mm. but my hands are so clearly my mum's hands. My, her wrists, her hands, her fingers, it's just so there. And I thought I could lose the ring, but I could always look down and see my hands. And then I would see that I was still connected to her. And even if I lost my hands, you know, my skin and my blood and my genetics is all connected to her. So actually, it doesn't need to be an object. It, it's there. You know, you can just breathe and then you're connected to the person. So I think that would be nice for Tony, maybe. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's re- remarkably lovely. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you for telling that. Oh, you're um, welcome. And I feel like for Johnny, you know, that's... That's great because he's got that in the farm. Oh, yeah, totally. Outside, yeah, and he would yeah. Connected to his dad. Oh, totally. Yeah, you just look around and 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 it's there. And I don't know. Whenever he's working hard or whenever he's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A hard day's work, kind of. He, he can just think, you know, that can that can remind him of his dad in the same way, uh, you yeah. know, and more and more than a, than a train set would do. Um, but he doesn't quite know how to tell. Tony that just uh, <laughs> sweet. sweet and obviously it is fine to have an object and it's great for Tony to have the train set it's just you know it explains why he doesn't want Henry to have it more than ever mm. you know he can't yeah. bear the idea of it being broken yeah. um, and you know you get an example of the way children can be because Rosie <laughs> has, slapped, has slapped Daisy <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder what it was about maybe <laughs> Maybe Daisy took too much sweet corn or like, I, know. I don't know, who knows, but it's pretty dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I was like, oh my goodness. It, you know, Archers has moved to EastEnders, but it's just, uh, it's just little <laughs> kids. Just little kids. Um, yeah. And so Pip and Fallon chat and Fallon gets Joy to look after Daisy, um, who is a natural with Daisy. Absolutely yeah. natural. And she sees Johnny going through the bins because... He has found an extra scratch card and scratch things up and realises that these flowers that he keeps getting are not flowers, but actually clovers. And he thinks, oh, no, I got four clovers yesterday and that means cash. And then I threw that in the bin and now he's rummaging through his bins. Yeah, I know. It was, I don't know. Surely if you get four in a row of anything, you'd be like, this must mean something. Um, <laughs> but if Johnny's never done never done a scratch house before maybe he hasn't yeah so he yeah. <laughs> it's quite a funny image of him kind of throwing all of his rubbish over the place over the street and Joyce sort of going over to him saying all right <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah no, I think I think I wonder whether uh wonder whether Joy could set up a little uh child minding thing at her house yeah. good oh, she'd be really good at that yeah I like that's that. a very good idea I'll text her and let her know so yeah she, you just text her yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And actually, Fallon is quite keen on Joy, isn't she? She's we end the episode with her watching Harrison and Daisy play, mm. and they're having a really nice time. And she understands now why Daisy wasn't sleeping because she missed her mum, who's gone mm. to hospital. Um, and Joy did very well, and yeah. she thinks that maybe she clicked a bit with Joy, so she does text Joy to let her know how Daisy is, you know, that Daisy is okay. Um, and she she ha- she notices that Joy might be a bit lonely. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to invite her round for a socially distanced glass of wine. Um, and maybe that's what Joy needs. Yeah. Well done, Fallon. Well done. Yeah. Because I think this is a theory I have, right, which is a bit weird. And I'll try and explain it concisely about the problem with a person who you perceive to be quite needy is that, you know, the way Pip sort of like, actually, Joy's a bit needy, so I won't go over and people avoid yeah. her. But because it's a bit like pie, right? If she could just have a regular slice of pie, she Joy might be satisfied. But because everyone's sort of um, withholding all the pie, the fear is that then when you allow her access to the pie, she'll eat the whole pie. Yep. <laughs> eat the whole thing. She'll want the whole thing in one. And indeed, she's sort of slightly starved of it. So, so when she does get access to pie, she just snaffles the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, if we were just a bit more consistent and regular, maybe she could be satisfied with a regular slice of pie. <laughs> it's 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 such a good analogy. I don't know. <laughs> and in my mind, it's a sort of treacle pie. I don't know why that is, like a a sweet one yeah 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 yeah. absolutely give joy a slice of pie guys i mean come on (laughs) just a regular slice of pie just a little bit of your pie yeah (laughs) so on to the final episode of the week thursday's episode indeed um and daisy's daisy's now gone because um daisy's mother uh has had her baby um yeah. that's why she was in hospital and uh, so she's gone off to go and meet her her baby sibling um and actually uh Fallon and Harrison are kind of reflecting on how much they enjoyed it having Daisy mm. around mm. yeah they've had a really really good time so maybe you're right you know maybe this is the the taste of having kids that they need I don't know I don't know it doesn't they don't really mention that I don't it no, wasn't they like they got you know it would have been a bit obvious to get near the week and say, maybe it's time for us to have kids. I don't know. But, yeah, they've, they've obviously enjoyed the week, um, despite possibly not expecting to. I think, yeah. I think, is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Harrison, although Harrison's now is very much looking forward to having the day to themselves, a bit of alone <laughs> time with his wife, um, I'm sure just to watch a film or something. Yeah. Um, and he goes, <laughs> he goes off to a shop. With a parcel. Oh, that's it. Fallon is um, donating a a cuddly toy to Daisy, which is very sweet. And he goes for his wallet and he finds a scratch card. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, this is the last we hear of the scratch card in the week, isn't it? It is. So, it's his Johnny's scratch card, is it? I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's Johnny's that Daisy picked up. Daisy picked up when she went over with Joy when Johnny was emptying the bin. I mean, this is this sounds like this is actually convoluted storyline. But yes, so so <laughs> Joy's taken Daisy over when Johnny was emptying his bins. She's found the scratch card, picked it up, given it to, given it to Harrison, who now has it, um, and then that's the last we hear of it. So I, know. <laughs> I don't know whether they're going to hear next week that, you know, Harrison and Fallon are in the money. Um, oh, because God. I, I'm not sure. 
poor Johnny. What a what a kick in the old proverbials. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, I can't quite see that it's going to make its way back to Johnny, really. Oh, um, gosh. Fingers crossed. Yes. Odd one. Odd one. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't quite seem to resolve itself, but anyway. <laughs> Maybe it's ongoing. Maybe it's ongoing. Meanwhile, Tony is thinking how on earth he's going to keep the train set to himself, really. <laughs> <laughs> because Henry was given the train set by Pat. Um, well, it was left out on a table and Henry saw it and loved it. Um, but he's still, you know, Tony still insists that it's it's Johnny's, you know, it'll be for Johnny because uh, he's sure that Henry's too young, but he's taking it to his room. So it's probably going to be, you know, sawn in half very soon. Um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, but maybe, maybe I should check with Johnny that he does actually want it. And I thought, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do think. I, at this point, I was like, I do think Tony just wants to keep it for himself. I just think he's going to get so much pleasure out of it. Um, <laughs> so, yes, no, it's, it's just fingers crossed he does check with Johnny. And he does. And, and Johnny, Johnny's not actually particularly interested in the train set. Um, and that, uh, you know, he just wants his own. He, he wants a car he wants something with, mm. with slightly bigger wheels. Yeah, some slightly bigger wheels. And, uh, and then we leave Tony on... It's sort of bittersweet. It's quite lovely, really. So he has a few regrets and he thinks, you know, all these things I should have done with John, I should have set up all the trains permanently in the den. And by now we'd have had this and that and um, maybe a bridge and all this sort of thing. And then he and then he thinks, well, maybe I can still do that. Mm. Uh, and so he shines the whole thing up and he sets it up in the in his workshop with his midget and his tractor. And he wishes he could show John, but... He's so happy to have it up and he gets excited about having Hollerton Junction. And I thought it was quite a lovely end, a way for him now that he can enjoy the train and also use it as a way to feel closer to John. And I thought that was very nice. Yeah, I think, that you know, it will always be there. And any time he feels like he needs to be close to John, he could sort of, you know, take himself away there. In the same way that Johnny will, you know, take himself off of the farm and do some work. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... Yes, no, really lovely, lovely ending to that storyline, I think. It was. So, very exciting. Yeah. We end with, so Joy stayed for a little bit too long at Harrison's and <laughs> Valence. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, but they're still not free because she rings Harrison. And it turns out Joy has gone rogue and has decided, she's found the number, she's decided to ring Tim Oti, I assumed, I could work out whether Tim had gone round again, maybe. Maybe he thought, oh, she's an easy target. I'm going to go round again and take some more of her rubbish. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she did ring him. Um, but in some way, she's, she, you know, they've, they've been in contact, at least. Mm. And so now she's ringing Harrison, just like, come on over. You can arrest him. Yeah. I've told him to come back in a little bit. Um, and then, you know, I'll have the stuff ready. So you can, you can come over. Yeah. So Harrison, bless him, just wants a nice kind of relaxing time with his wife and um and has to get up and, and go and ring the boys and get a bit of backup to go and arrest Tim Oti. <laughs> I was like, go on, Joy. Yeah. Go on. And he can sort of hear that Tim is being a bit aggressive in the background, mm. banging on the door. So he is hurrying over, definitely. And he's now trying yeah. to ring Joy and Joy's not answering. So, I, I you know, it was a bit too, too close to the end of the week for it to turn out to be really bad but actually yeah 
yeah, it's all, he arrives and the white van is still there. And, yeah. uh, and the next thing we hear is they're arresting Tim Oti. Well, indeed, because he's this slightly nefarious chap, pretty nefarious chap, he um, not only is he sort of illegally fly tipping, his number plates don't match his vehicle and he's intimidating a lonely woman. So there's enough to arrest him. Yeah. And then Harrison can, you know, let the environmental agency know that they've got him. So he's going to get he's going to get done, mate. Yeah. Very exciting. Wonder whether he's uh, I don't know. Do you think he's anything to do with the vehicles that uh, that Josh had doing dodgy Ooh. things? Maybe, maybe. Could I be. Know. I don't know. But yeah, Could proper be. dodgy bloke. And mm. yes, he's now being arrested. Um, so that'd be good for Ed. I think Ed will be glad to hear that news as well. Mm-hmm. It's nice that, isn't it? You sort of relax for Ed and Emma a bit now. Yeah, totally, totally. And Harrison sort of you know reflects on a job well done, and he's mm. sort of about to leave. And he thinks, oh, I should go and tell Joy what's happened. Um, and he think, he's thinking about it, he's wavering, because he thinks, oh, you know, could end up chatting to her for ages and really wants to get back to his wife. Um, but he does, he does in the end. Go, go, go to the door, gives Joy 15 minutes just to kind of talk her through what happened, check she's all right. And then he heads off home to join Fallon for the evening. He just gave her a regular slice of pie. Exactly. All she needed, a little bit of pie, and she was going to be happy. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Harrison. Being very generous with your pie. Indeed. Let's all be more generous with our pie. Yeah. Oh, there's Harrison <laughs> whizzing past in the background. <laughs> um, so that is the week. That was a really fun week, I thought. But as we mentioned last week, today is the final episode of Archers and Tea for the foreseeable. We've had an amazing time. Um... Personally, I've really enjoyed myself uh, for the last 20 weeks. 20 weeks? 20 weeks, George. Can you believe it? Amazing, I remember when it? I thought it was all going to last for about four. Uh, yes. So it, I'm yeah. glad we started this when we did. It's been something to look forward to. And Absolutely. I've had a brilliant, yeah, wonderful time. And, and uh, yeah, something each week to look forward to. It's been lovely. Mm. Well, I've got some highlights, George. Oh yeah, go on, go on. What your what your what your highlight highlights of archers and tea? Well, I thought the particularly highlights of the archers in this time, yeah. and then incl- it was sort of reflected in our episodes, was the Ed and Emma storyline that they managed mm. to develop throughout this time, and how in episode three of Archers and Tea, so I can't remember quite what week that is, you called it because you said, "Oh, Emma's started to talk about Ed," because they were split up at this point. Mm. And how you could hear a smile on her face and yeah. you made a little prediction siren that potentially things were thawing between them. Um, and then in episode four of Archers and Tea, we discussed how Emma actually asked Ed back, you know, mm. get back together. And Ed said, no, nothing's changed between us. And we've got to think of the kids. And we were like, we were so down. We were yeah. like, oh, it probably makes sense, you know, probably got to, don't want to mess them around. But we were so depressed. And then in episode five of Archers and Tea, he was about to suggest that they get back together. And then she said they were, she was moving out, yeah. moving away. And we were just distraught. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an absolute roller coaster. And finally, two weeks later in episode seven of Archers and Tea, we got to discuss how we, well, we got to leave Ed and Emma at Little Grange, suspended yeah. in time, looking at the sunset. Because that was the last one before the revisited episode is that right 
That's right, yeah. And yeah, I think that was, yeah, it was, it was great to kind of start our Archers and Tea Adventure with kind of some, in inverted commas, normal episodes. And, and I think mm. that, yes, that was encompassed by that Ed and Emma storyline. It was a really lovely way to kind of start start what we did, definitely. Mm. Yeah, um, and also it gave way for the pun that you made uh, when he was shearing sheep. You called him Ed Sheeran. <laughs> oh, I'm Which hilarious. I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, I also enjoyed... Um, so I did, I, I'm sure this is probably one of your highlights as well, but uh, making our Easter bonnets. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, the Easter bonnet competition, um, judged by the kids in Ambridge. But uh, yes, when I say I say making our, I mean, I my wife made mine for me. Um, but a very fine piece of uh, piece of bonnet making. Um, <laughs> this was yours as well. Marvellous. Thank you. Well, yours had a basket for a chocolate Indeed. egg. Yeah. So if anyone was looking for that episode, it's it's we we talked about doing it in episode three, and then we actually did it for episode four. And mm. uh, we, there's a picture on stuff online, and they are incredible bonnets. It was very fun. I, I I look back and I think you know that was wonderful. How much time we had on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of proper, yeah. proper full lockdown period, wasn't it? It was. Um, it really was. And then that's when the archers as well had to move into playing some older episodes because they decided to incorporate uh the pandemic and the lockdown into the storylines they had mm. to throw away a load of scripts and start writing again so for a few weeks we got the revisited episodes and actually mm. the first revisited episode after leaving ed and emma you know together and happy mm. uh, was actually the week of four weddings and a funeral which you yeah. pointed out <laughs> stupidly didn't realize until mid-episode that that's what it was but yeah and that and that, and that one ended with joe's funeral wasn't it and i think that oh, was a, yeah. i think that was for me a highlight of the of the revisited episodes i think partly because I, it was one that we'd one that we'd heard in real time so you know it wasn't too long ago mm. but very emotional again to hear it um it really beautiful one i also really enjoyed hearing nigel Pargeter's voice um it kind of really really placed him for me in those revisited episodes just in my mind hearing how much a connection elizabeth has to him made sense (laughs) it's like he was just the life and soul of everything wasn't he and then you also got siobhan and the whole rory yeah yeah genesis (laughs) absolutely i think so a couple of my highlights so what i enjoyed when we were forming our detective squad um, oh, yeah. of, of I can't, it was Linda and Roy and um, maybe Freddie was in there where in terms of working Oliver. out the, working yes Oliver working out that Philip's a baddie um, mm-hmm. that's been sort of left suspended as well I enjoyed um, in 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 the more recent episodes I enjoyed our B storyline week that was fantastic following them. <laughs> following them um on their on their merry way around Ambridge. <laughs> and then our, our Archers and T wise I've I've enjoyed your relentless pronunciation of Jeline. <laughs> Jeline. Um, Guys, once you once you notice it, you can't ever not notice it. Yeah. It's the way that Lillian says Jolene. Yeah. She says Jeline. Jeline. <laughs> As if it's a J apostrophe L E N E and it's amazing. Jeline. Jolene. I'd love to hear her singing the song Jolene. It'd be great. Yeah, Jolene. 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 
And I should also, I should also say, I think to the listeners, I don't know whether you'll be aware how much work Charlie puts into this because all I, all I do is I listen to the episodes and just chat to Charlie for an hour and it's, and it's fantastic. But she goes away every week and she edits it, puts it together um, and makes it into something palatable, takes all, all the bits of me being dreadfully boring out um, and makes it, makes it enjoyable for you to listen to. So I would like to say thank you to you for um, doing a fantastic job with that uh, all the way through. Um, and, uh, and, and writing notes each week on, on the episodes. It's been, yeah, yeah, you've, you've been wonderful. So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much, George. But it wouldn't exist without you because what would it be without George? I'd just be well, here. It would just be you talking, talking to, to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> because we do have another friend, but he's silent. Ah, uh, yes. We can't possibly finish Archers and Tea without talking about our silent friend who every week emails us and gives us um, a brilliant sort of feedback email and things he enjoyed about the week's archers and tea he sent us biscuits he sent us bird cards he sent us archers related gifts and goodies and we have loved sharing this with you so thank you so much oh yeah absolutely absolutely that's been the 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 email saying the things that this person has liked about the week's episode just makes me feel good about myself (laughs) it certainly does and he's given us information about the archers because he's been listening for a lot longer yeah 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 it's been really interesting i mean the the fact that the actor who plays jazzer is blind i just think is I just find it so interesting every time I hear him now where I just, you know, he's got a script in Braille and uh, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful, wonderful. So yes, thank you so much. Yeah, and the actor who plays Tony and the actor who plays uh, Tom are genuinely father and son. Yes, yes. And Tony and the actor who, the actor who plays Tony and the actor who plays Shula are actually cousins in real life as well. Oh. Or something like that. Yeah, so many, so many interesting little tidbits. So I know. Yes, thank you for thank you for your support as well. It's been lovely to have you with us on the uh, on the journey, and to everyone who's listened. Exactly, thank you to all the listeners, um, however many of you there are. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Um, but don't fret; there are the archers is continuing, and also there are loads of archers related things that you can find, including another podcast uh, called Dumpty Dum and uh, you can go on the website and there's loads of information. I looked up about John this week on the website, which was really fascinating. So, mm. you know, don't despair. There's archers everywhere. Oh, <laughs> lovely little, lovely rhyming couplet to finish. That was dreadful. <laughs> that was so dreadful. Um, George, thank you so much. I've loved doing You're this You're so, so welcome. It's been so much fun. And thank you. Um, and for the final time, I'll say... Goodbye. Love, George. Love, Charlie.